0: Thank you, worship team. This time I want to dismiss the kids to go ahead and go on downstairs with uh, Ms. Beth. They're going to continue working on their ornaments and their Christmas Eve song. And I think one of them is going to go with her. It's going to be a quick ornament making. Perfect. Paradox. You guys have heard the word? Paradox. For those people who fish, you're thinking, yes, two things to fish off of. (laughs) Paradox, a statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a possible truth. Did you catch that? A statement or proposition that seems self-contradictory or absurd, but in reality expresses a possible truth. Life is full of paradox, is it not? I mean, take having a baby. A lot of people say it is the, the best day of your life. But I've heard that it's also the most painful day of your life. Or maybe when someone speaks the necessary hard truth to you. It hurts, it's hard, it's miserable, but in the same breath, it's wonderful because it's needed. You're getting the picture, yeah? The word paradox kind of became a theme or an anthem throughout my days at seminary, and I think that's because Scripture is full of paradox. See, God is a God that is full of grace, but also full of justice. He's a God full of love and forgiveness, but also a God of vengeance. Jesus is described as a lion, but also a lamb. Paradox. Now, I bring up this idea of paradox today because in our Advent Conspiracy uh, series, we're going to be looking at giving more. Now, giving more seems to be in direct, I don't know, contradiction to spending less. You see the paradox? If you're a black and white thinker, especially when it comes to your finances like I am, you see something like spend less and you think, yes, this year, pastor told me that I don't have to buy as much. That means at the end of the month, maybe we'll have a little left over. Maybe we'll finish 2014 in the black instead of in the red. But then we see a sign with a hand holding out a gift with the words under it saying, give more. Now, in my mind, I start scratching my head thinking, wait, how do these two go together? Give more, but spend less. Seems to me like a paradox, a proposition that seems contradictory or absurd. Now, I think we all can understand and agree with what we talked about the first week in the Advent Conspiracy Series, Worship Fully. We should be worshiping the Christ of Christmas. We agree with that. We we buy into that. And for the most part, we truly desire to practice it. Now, last week, we talked about spending less. And I talked about spending less financially or spending more if you're doing it at a purposeful place. We talked about spending less emotional energy, right? Less worry about uh, all the details of holidays, or maybe even accepting the ups and downs of the emotional roller coaster of the season. We also talked about spending less physical energy. We recognize that the Advent season, the Christmas season, is a season of go, go, go. You know, early mornings, late nights, let's prepare the house, clean the house, prep the house so that we can eat and then have to do the same thing again afterwards. And I said, let's spend less physical energy. I think for the most part, we got that last week. We understood it. I even had a couple of people this past week come and tell me, hey, you know what, I did not go to such and such a function because you said spend less physical energy. So I didn't go. And I had some people say, you know what, I I thought about worrying about what I got this other person, but I decided it's just not worth it. Besides, you said spend less emotional energy. It was nice this past week to have a few people come and say, "We, we put into practice what you talked about on Sunday. That brings us to this morning, and to the third sign that's on our stage, give more. A sign that somehow is supposed to paradoxically fit with the sign of last week, spend less. Now I'm going to go all sorts of paradox on you this morning, and I'm going to say that the rest of this Advent season, I want you to give more financially, give more emotionally, and give more physically. I can see the wheels in Sam's head turning right now. Wait now. You said the opposite last week. Give more financially. Give more emotionally. Give more physically. How do we do that? Let's start with the financial. You had to figure this one was coming, right? And with the consumerism and the spending during the holiday season on ourselves our families, our friends. You had to figure that at some point I was going to say, let's spend on others. Let's spend on people that we don't know, but people who may need something more than we need that additional sweater, that extra pair of shoes. King Solomon once said in Proverbs 11, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. He said, the generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Scripture has a regular call to give more financially. We saw it in in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. As he challenged them to give more, he was encouraging them to finish giving to this project that they had started giving to earlier on. Now, the text itself will give enough background for you to understand what we're talking about. Just listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 15. Paul writes, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity." For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. And they even did more than we hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to to us, just as God wanted them to. Verse 6 So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, he writes, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Man, that's a, that's a good move right there. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. So here is my advice, Paul writes. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the Scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. He says, give more financially. You have it. Others need it. Now, I know that thus far in this series, in these first two and a half weeks, I have not given you a specific amount to spend less on. I've not given you a specific place to give more to until this morning. This past week, I was coming from the basement of the church up the stairs, and I heard the the church door ding, and I heard a a male voice ask, Heather, is is the pastor in? Now, we at the church, we have a fairly steady stream of people who will stop by and and ask for financial assistance. In fact, later that same day, I talked with a lady who had uh, had several very legitimate needs, and she showed me the, the doctor's orders for her surgery that was coming up this next week. And she showed me her electric bill that was due very, very soon, and, and she would have showed me the gas light on her dashboard. We get visitors like that quite often, so when I heard a male voice asking Heather if the pastor was in, I figured somebody was going to be asking for money. Well, I came up the stairs, and it was Mark Cadle. You guys know him. He's the director, the president of the Spokane World Relief. In fact, he's spoken here before, several years ago, if you remember. He spoke on uh, anti-human trafficking. And our church was the first church that ever said, you know what, let's meet tonight. Let's figure out what we can do to partner with this organization in this anti-human trafficking movement. Since that night, it was three or four years ago, we have continued to give to this organization in many different ways. Uh, We bought a hundred of their t-shirts for their fight to end slavery, their race to end slavery for a Bloomsday fundraiser. We sent somebody down monthly to their uh, coalition to end human trafficking. I serve on their pastor advisory council. And for the last three or four years, we have supported them monthly, financially. What we see as as a small portion, and yet what Mark Cato thought was enough to actually personally stop by. He could, have stuck, he could have stuck a stamp on an envelope with a Christmas card and just stuck it in the mail. He probably spent more in time and gas to come up, but he says, James, I wanted to look you in the eyes and tell you, so you could tell your congregation, thank you. What you guys are giving has allowed us to continue the work that we wanted to do. It may seem like a small amount for us, but to this group, it's enough to help them help fund an intern and to continue the anti-human trafficking movement. In some ways, we are like this church that Paul was writing in Corinth. When he said, hey, you guys started a good work, now continue to give. Mark reminded me just in his visit that we have been doing a good work with World Relief. Now we can continue on. And I want to say, this Advent season, we can do so in a special way. We can give more financially. So here's where I'm going with this. I would like to challenge us, and I'm going to give us a number. I would like to challenge us to give 10% of whatever we spend on Christmas to World Relief. That means over the next couple weeks, I would invite you to look at your Christmas receipts, the gifts that you buy for other people. Look at maybe even the extra food that you buy for that Christmas dinner. Add those up, and then figure out what 10% of that is. On Christmas Eve, we'll take a special offering and we'll give it to World Relief. So if you figured out, you know, I spent $200 on Christmas gifts this year, you figure 10% of that is $20. If you spent $500 on Christmas gifts this year, 10% of that is $50. Let's give more financially to this organization that has people who need the excess that we have. Give more Financially, Now, for some of us, this may be a push. You know, we budget all year long so that we can have just this amount to give for Christmas gifts. Well, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians eight twelve, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. But also, as Paul says in the next verse, right now, you or we have plenty and can help those who are in need. So I would say let's give more financially to World Relief this Christmas season. Now let's take a look at the other two that I've talked about also. We'll look at giving more emotionally. Last week I talked about uh, spend less emotional energy. And this week I'm saying give more emotionally. Is, is there a paradox in there? Maybe a little, but maybe no. Because you see, I think we can give more emotionally without spending a lot of emotional energy. Last week, I used the proverb to talk about worry. It was Proverbs 12, 25, and it begins, worry weighs a person down. Now listen to how it finishes. Worry weighs a person down, and an encouraging word cheers a person up. Giving more emotionally could be as simple as encouraging somebody. You see them down, give an encouraging word. Now, it could be the opposite. Giving more emotionally could mean not saying anything at all until you've had a chance to think through what you're going to say. Sometimes that's, that's hard for us to do, to think before we speak. And yet King Solomon also said in Proverbs 18, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So give more emotionally. As I was thinking about this this past week, I was thinking about our pace of life during the Christmas season and how often we're, we're going from one event to the next thing or from one store to the next store and we're just going, going, going. And it's so easy for us to, to walk right by somebody or to ignore somebody who may need a little something from us. And as I was thinking about that, I thought of all the times where Jesus could have seemed to have been in a hurry, to have something very important to go and do. And yet, as I thought about that, I thought of all the times that he was going somewhere quickly and yet was interrupted by people. And how in those times, Jesus took the time to give to them emotionally. I mean, think back to when he was en route to Jerusalem for the first day of the Holy Week, right? The triumphal entry. He's, he's, he's marching in, and, and there's this guy who, who, well, he doesn't see him coming because he's blind, But he knows Jesus is coming by, so he's calling out to him, and he's calling out to him. And and the crowds keep shushing him, but he keeps calling out. You, You know the story of blind Bartimaeus. Well, Jesus, who could have been going, 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 decides to stop. Catch that. He stopped. In the midst of, the beginning of, probably the busiest week of his life, he stops. And he calls this guy. He says, come here, and then listen to what he says. Mark 10, 51. He says, what do you want me to do for you? How can I give emotionally to you? There's another time when Jesus had learned that his cousin John had been beheaded. Now, he was trying to get away from people at that point. He was trying to get his disciples to a place where where they could grieve, where they could mourn, where they could have some time by themselves and listen to what Scripture says happened. Matthew chapter 14. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. That's emotional giving. His emotional tank was running low, and yet he has compassion on others. This happens again as he's walking into the town of Nain. And as he's walking out, there's this this funeral procession for a widow who had lost her only son. Listen to what happens there, Luke chapter 7. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion." Don't cry, he said. There's that compassion again. But why? I mean, wasn't Jesus on his way into town? Well, perhaps he sees this widow and he thought back to his own mom, who many believe lost her husband Joseph when Jesus was quite young. Or perhaps Jesus was thinking forward to when he, as Mary's son, would hang on a cross and die, and she too would suffer a loss. Jesus could have just walked right by this funeral procession. In fact, that would have been the right thing for a rabbi to do. Don't get near it because you might become unclean. But instead, he chose to give emotionally. What would it look like for us to give more emotionally emotionally? this Advent season? Is it picking up the phone when you see the the caller ID and you realize, I just don't want to talk to this person right now? Hello? Is it listening to a friend who may not have anyone else who they can talk to? What would it look like? Romans chapter 12 says this. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Now, perhaps we should call this section, giving of your emotional presence. As an introvert, which I am, okay, okay? Me being one who recharges my energy tanks when they get low by being alone, okay, as one who easily gets emotionally depleted, this is hard to swallow, this challenge. And I sensed God this past week saying, James, perhaps you need to give more emotionally. Now, I've also wondered, is he calling me to give more Physically. In a lot of ways, as I looked at this, I thought it was similar to giving more emotionally, kind of hand in hand. In the passage we just saw in Romans, it continues like this. Romans 10, verse 11, 12, and 13 says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Be ready to help. And I think oftentimes that is physically. There's a family in our church right now who is in the process of moving. And the husband actually works out of town Monday through Friday. So talk about the potential for an emotional and a physical toll to be taken on this family as they're packing, as they're loading boxes, as they're taking trips to the new house and back to the other house, and the husband's gone. The big push for the move took place last weekend and there was, uh, there was that family and I heard there was another family and then another person that said, hey, let, let us help you during this time. I saw one of the people uh, at church the following Sunday morning and they just looked exhausted. But they had given more physical energy or given more physically. See, our burdens could be physical ones that are legitimate physical needs that we can meet with other people. Or it could simply look like your physical presence, much like your emotional presence. Maybe it's your time. Maybe you need to be in the same house, in the same room, sitting on a couch next to that person. And maybe that is giving more physically. Maybe it's shoveling a a sidewalk when it actually does snow for someone who can't get out and do it on their own. What would it look like for you to give more physically yet spend less physical energy? Now, I have to ask if nobody else myself, why after talking about spending less Finances, emotional energy, physical energy last week. Why would I turn right back around and say, Give more finances, give more physically, give more emotionally? I thought about that. I realized, Well, we're doing that again because of who we worship and who we're trying to worship fully this season. If you think about it, we're, we're worshiping Christ. Right? Jesus Christ, the newborn king who we have sung about. And you know what? He gave more. Watch this, okay? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Okay? That's speaking of Jesus. So where is Jesus in that text? Not a trick question. I'll say it again. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Where was Jesus in this section? Okay, so we're going to assume that's in heaven, which has all these glorious riches. Gold streets and all that good stuff. But A thousand cattle and a thousand hills or, or whatever that verse is. That's John 1 verse 1, and yet Matthew 1 verse 23, the gospel writer says, And, and you will have a child to marry, and he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Where is Jesus? Again, not a trick question, okay? God with us. So financially, if we want to kind of stretch it a little bit, Jesus has a change of address. Heaven, which is full of gold streets and a cattle on a thousand hills and all this good stuff, down to being a crib, being in a crib that's a cattle trough. Jesus gave more financially, if you want to call it that. That's a little easier to connect how he gave more emotionally. We saw those verses that he talked about giving more compassion. You just read any of the four Gospels and you're going to see that Jesus was always fully present with whoever he was with. He was giving emotionally to them. He gave more. And he also gave more physically. I know that Christmas is the season that we celebrate Christ's birth. We celebrate this baby in a manger, but we can't celebrate that without fast-forwarding and thinking about Easter, and the fact that he gave himself physically on a cross. Jesus gave more. And talking about paradox this morning, you want to know the ultimate paradox? When death equals life. Jesus' death, the ultimate act of giving more physically and emotionally, leads to our life, our forever life. Now, it may seem a little bit odd for us to take communion during the Advent season. I don't think that's, that's standard. But considering what we're talking about, considering the fact that we're looking at how Jesus gave more, and he's calling us to give more, I thought it appropriate that this morning we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we remember That physically Christ gave his body. Physically Christ shed his blood for us. He died so that we could live. I want to invite Stacia up, who's going to play instrumentally. And I want to invite us for just a few minutes to spend some time reflecting, spend some time asking God, God, where is it you want me to give more this season? Is it financially? Is it emotionally? Is it physically? Or, God, do you want me to give more somewhere else? So as Stacia place, just spend a few moments asking God that, and then, then, then listen. I'll stand up, I'll, I'll pray, and I'll, uh, I'll prepare the bread and in the, in the, in the cups. And then when you're ready, after I pray, feel free to come on up. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup And remember the ultimate paradox, Christ's sacrifice, his death for you, which leads to life. Stacia.